Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So lace up your LA gears. It's time for... I never saw that. I, I, hi, everybody. I hi. would just like to start this episode by saying that Micah said, lace up your L.A. gears, which I think is That's incorrect. Correct. That's I think correct. it's L.A. gear. Like you don't like like Adidas or, uh, you know, you don't say lace up your Adidas's. Actually, you have a point because in this movie, the L.A. gears in question are often untied. One of them is untied. So lace up your LA gear would make No, that's make not sense my point. That's movie. not my point. My point is when you're referring to a pair of shoes yeah. that are LA gear, you say lace up your LA gear. Lace up your Nike. No, that's different. Lace up your Reebok. Listen, you guys, please weigh in on this. Please. Who's right? LA gears or LA gear? Uh, and that is the intro to this episode. Which I is guess. about the movie Jack. <laughs> yes. We are both very excited to see a lot the of LA gear in this episode. 1996 Robin Williams vehicle? Vehicle for comedy? Let, uh, me, let, me just read, let me just read the description of it that was on Disney+. Plus Yes, it please Because it is a do. Disney movie. Please do. Jack, comedy favorite Robin Williams stars as a mischievous 10-year-old who acts like any other boy his age, except he's in a grown-up's body. It's nonstop laughs as Jack embarks on the greatest adventure of his young life, the fifth grade. In this wildest, sorry, in his wildest role ever, Williams takes you on a hilarious ride as Jack explores the ups and downs of life from a kid's point of view. Okay, I know their job is to hype this movie up, but wild, wildest role ever? Absolutely not. Have you ever seen a Robin Williams role and also name no name one that's less wild than this one up to that point yeah i don't Can even you do know it? i don't know what that what wild i mean i think what they mean is because robin williams is so zany you know that they mean he's zany but he's not zany not in, this in this one at all this not is at all by far his least wildest role i would say so uh and it's also not funny there's a couple of parts that are supposed to be funny i guess um I didn't. I don't know that I laughed. Did I laugh in this whole movie? Maybe I a don't couple know. times. So I, now that we've uh, shit all over this Francis Ford Coppola film, no, can, no, can we're I not just shitting on it. I'm just saying I'm not <laughs> shitting on it. I'm saying that the description of it is yeah, wrong. It doesn't know what it is, and it still doesn't. Um, can we back up a little bit though? Because we have some announcements before we get into all this. And no, I'm not doing my thing yet. Don't worry. Okay. Thank um, God. I'm not emotionally prepared for that yet coming up this weekend we have been invited once again to take part in the snips showcase it's the scavengers network independent podcast showcase and uh we did it last year it was very very fun we want to thank everyone at scavengers for inviting us back yeah Um, yay last year was so fun partaking in this um and we have some plans for what we're gonna do it could be a real huge fucking train wreck so you're gonna want to watch that yep so you can watch us Live at 4.50 p.m. this Saturday, the 17th. Eastern time, 4.50. So on the West Coast, that'd be 1.50. And you can figure out the other ones. If you go to www.snipshowcase.com, that's S-N-I-P showcase.com. And we'll put the link in the show notes, too. You can find it. But also, um, there's lots of other good shows. Don't tune in just for us. Um, Opening night is friday starts around seven um and then it's all day saturday starting at 11 a.m uh and going until let's see the last show that night is finish it who has been on our show before and if you don't listen to them you absolutely should um, but they go on at 8 10 and um yeah lots of great shows on the scavengers yeah. network and um people should check them out it's gonna be a lot of fun yes Um, But if you do miss it live, we are going to use the audio as our episode for next week. So that's our plan, at least. We'll see if we can pull it off. Well, true. Uh, So, yeah. Um, 
yeah, that was an announcement. What do you have another announcement? I do. Um, we're talking about the movie Jack, and one of the big plot points in this film is that Jack wants to go to school because it's right. back to school time. Yeah, we thought Yay. we'd do some back to school stuff. We did summer blockbusters um, this summer. We kind of like the theme idea, so we're going to do some back to school things in the coming weeks. If you have any favorite movies from 94 to 96 or TV that shows school, or yeah. music or yeah. anything, um, let us know because we've done a lot already of school type things. If only we hadn't already done that piece of shit, Dangerous Minds, right. you know? Right, that's what I was thinking about. Um, yeah, just we're not going to do it's that again. It's not a piece of shit. It's just, <sighs> we already talked about that. Go back to our Dangerous Minds episode if you want to know what we think about that one. Today, though, we're not, we're talking about Jack today. Yep. But first. So... See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. So today, Jen, uh, we are moving on to October 5th. I know October 4th was a wonderful day of comics that we've covered extensively for the past two episodes, but we're moving on today. Great. To October 5th, 1994. Finally. And we're going to do uh, one of your favorite comics again. I know we just recently did it, but... Frank and Ernest? Nope. Uh, Wizard of Id? Nope. Mm, Ziggy? Nope. We haven't done that in a long time. We but haven't, I do... because it was a piece of shit. I really love, I wish I you would at. do some more Ziggy. Oh, I so, really, really enjoy those It doesn't even make sense lot. most of the time. I know, I love them. It's so bad. It's my favorite. Today we're doing Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, an actual good one. Yeah. So we've got four panels. We've got Calvin and his father. Those are the main characters in this is one. Is Hobbes in this one? Hobbes isn't in this one. Jesus Christ, stop picking ones that have no Hobbes. I didn't write the comic, Jen, no, or but make you... the calendar. Like, this well, is the day the... we're on. That's and not a... I didn't put Hobbes in or not in any of the comics. Talk to Bill Watterson, Jen. Missing my, I think you're missing my point. Well, let's see if we all get the point of this comic. So in the first panel, we've got Calvin uh, standing, looking up at his father. His father is getting dressed. He's tying his tie. Uh, behind his father is a dresser with, let's see, one, two, three, four drawers. Uh, I had a dream about a dresser last night. I was in a room with... That sounds like the most boring dream. I was sharing a room with maybe my brother or with somebody, and we didn't have any dressers or anywhere to put our clothes. No, it was me and Elliot. We were in a room, and what? we needed a dresser. I don't know. There's more to it, and it's all coming back to me now. It's actually not boring. It was really weird, but I won't try to just... Don't worry. I'm not going to go into my dream. Yeah. Describing here. your dreams to other people is, well, has to be one of the most boring things Yeah. You do world. see the irony here, right? What? About what you're... What? What are you about talking about? About this whole... I don't know. Segment. I don't get... Okay, so there's a dresser behind Calvin's dad, and we can see four drawers. There's four little circles, like little knobs, but we only see one... Knobs. One little knob on each drawer, because Calvin's dad is standing in front of the other one. Uh, on top of the dresser is a lamp and some other little shapes. Um, but as I said, Calvin's dad is standing there. He has little glasses on, you know, like he always does, and he's tying his tie. Okay. And Calvin says to him, how come you're the one who goes to work and not mom? Hmm. Okay. You're is bold. Mm -hmm. So it's emphasized. I did that with my voice. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm just telling you, you know, how I translate it from the written word and the page. Giving you a little peek behind the curtains there into the world of seeing You know the what would be the papers. best peek behind the curtain? If you just show me the fucking comic. If I could just take a look at it. Well, that doesn't, that metaphor doesn't make any sense now, Jen. Is the comic behind the curtain? Why yeah. is there a curtain yeah, in front of the comic? behind the curtain of your fucking f shit, your face and your segment and all this gatekeeping shit that you do. My face is a curtain? Yes. Your metaphor face is, real, is the curtain. really falling apart. This whole description is the curtain. Okay. Uh, second panel. We have kind of a close-up. You know up. what that makes me think of, Micah, is the Wizard of Oz? You know, behind the curtain. Because that's where the Wizard of Oz is, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not who she thought it was. It's just I a like little it guy. A lot when you complain about how long this uh, <laughs> segment takes, and then you go off on tangents that aren't even connected. Oh, it's a joke though, because that's the whole thing. Behind the curtain refers to the Wizard of Oz. Like that's the that's the reference. Yeah, the man and behind so the curtain. Yep. It makes me happy to act like I don't know that. Um, anyway, okay. uh, the reason why I sometimes jump in during this, um, is in case I'm going to go listeners... sit down. 
Yeah, well, now you know how I feel. Um, in case any listeners are wondering, is because I just want to be part of it. You know, I, I'm tired of feeling like I'm on the outside of all y'all's fun because everybody except me gets to see the comic, you know? So I'm just trying to remain a, a co-host on this podcast. Okay. I, I see what you're trying to do. We There was a big uproar because we um, we talked to our friend Pat. Uh, he gave us a playlist for the last two episodes, and we decided to split it into two episodes because was a it was a little uproar? long, which meant that there were two short episodes. We usually try to keep our episodes around an hour. Um, so or I, less. I now see that you're filling in because those were kind of short, and there was a lot of you know discourse uh, on Twitter and on our Facebook Where was group. the discourse? I didn't see any Just, discourse. You know, Not tons a single... of people being like, why is it so short this no, week? No, nobody said that. Mm. Maybe they just sent me messages. Yeah. Um, so thanks for trying to fill, but I got plenty to do. We're only on the second panel here. Yeah. So the second panel, it's a close up on like a medium close up on Calvin's dad. And he is still tying his tie. He's, he's now got the, the loop, you know, the long end is coming over. So he's almost done tying it. Mm -hmm. Um, and he looks down, his eyes are closed behind his glasses, but he's, he's got that face where his eyes are closed and he's like explaining something, you know? Yeah. To his son. His smug face. Yeah. His dad is very smug. It's very funny. And he says, well, your mom used to go to work. But once you came along, someone had to stay home. Okay, so now we're into the third panel. Um, They've switched sides now, and there's no background at all. Calvin's dad is on the left. Calvin is on the right. We just see Calvin's head at the very bottom of the frame. Calvin's dad um, is putting his jacket on. He has his right arm into his business jacket, and his left hand is on the lapel, kind of pulling it on. And he says, your mom's job had a lot of stress and aggravation, see? Dot, dot, dot. And Calvin finishes and says, and there's a dot, dot, dot in his speech bubble too. And it says, and she wanted to quit? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, that's the third panel. Now we're on to the fourth panel. Uh, In the fourth panel, Calvin's dad has his jacket fully on. His hands are kind of on the lapels. Like he's just, you know, getting that fit just right like you do when you put your jacket on. Uh Uh-huh. Just pulling him down there. Sure. Um, And he looks, he's looking down at Calvin. And again, we have him fully standing in the frame it cuts off at about his knees and we just see Calvin's head on the bottom just peeking up and Calvin's dad replies, no, she'd gotten used to it. So we figured she should be the one to, and then Calvin interrupts him and yells, Hey, cause she, she'd gotten used to the aggravation. Oh, to and the stress, stress and aggravation. Yeah. I see. And so he's saying, Calvin's she's like, hey. staying home because she's used yeah. to stress. That's pretty fucked up. It's funny though. It's pretty fucked up. I mean, yeah, I mean, but if that's you look what at Calvin's like the dad... gender, if you look at yes. like the gender roles of it all, it's um it's pretty uh uh true to life and um interesting. Yeah, and... I don't think Bill Waterston was trying to make a um like a comment on how women are the only ones that can do that, but it is perpetuating that idea that women should stay home and take care of kids because they're the ones that can handle I mean, the at least emotional he's, labor. At least that's not his argument. His argument is, well, she, her job was more stressful and aggravating, so we figured she should be the one to take care of you. Because, yeah. But he's that just, is also putting... He's just going for the joke I know of that. Calvin's... I know that. I'm just saying... I'm saying shit. it's tough out there for moms. And, and um, uh, yeah, it's, t- it, it's tougher on uh, women in general. Yeah. Do you know why I picked this? Because it's this back comic? to school? Because no, um, because in the movie Jack that we watched, yeah, um, I just want to point out a few things before we dive deep into the plot. Um, I don't think there's a real deep dive to do into the plot, but go ahead. They live in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, in a big house, kind of like a big old Victorian. Is mansion. there another Bay Area? There's tons of Bay Areas. I mean, but like when people say the when people say the Bay Area, they generally mean. Yeah, in the U.S. San but, you know, or we have Oakland. fans all around the world, Jen. Yeah, Newfoundland. Newfoundland re- represent. Um, okay, sorry. Go ahead. So they live in this big, huge Victorian mansion type house. I'm sorry. Are we done with seeing the funny papers, though? Yeah, that's it. That was the final panel. See ya. No, I know, but like, are we done with the segment? You said, "Do you know why I picked that?" And I thought you were going to say something about. Like, connect it so that there would be a place to put the music. I'm going to. So we're not done with the segment then? Well, I don't know. We put the music in after, 
So I I don't know actually. I know, but I'm just I'm just making sure that you, you know. Okay, go ahead, make the connection. I mean, it's just this conversation is going to sound real dumb if we already put the music in. Well, obviously, that's kind of my point, Micah. Man, we're just giving people all kinds of peeks behind, behind the curtain. Behind the curtain, here. you know, like the Wizard of Oz. See you in the funny. Okay, so um, big. Victorian mansion they live in. It's beautiful. It's got like dark wood, it's white huge. staircases. Yeah. Jack's white room house. is like two rooms. Giant. Huge little alcove thing with bay windows for his bed. And then Nobody this has big a room like office that. space next to it. No. It's just Jack and his mom and dad that live there um, because he was born with this disease that we'll get into. Um, but it's a huge house. And dad is a photographer. But mom stays home with Jack and apparently scrapbooks mm. for a living. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. There it is. There's the connection. They have a pool. Mom stays home. They have this beautiful house. Yeah. I, don't I know wonder how, I how mean, they make their a, money. He's a big deal photographer because they do show him at work one time and he's he's taking photos for the carrot council, I think he says. With like these hot ladies. On giant carrots. With, with their big boobs, boobs out and stuff. With their boobs out. Um, yeah, uh, it is kind of a mystery, like, why, how they live in this fucking impeccable house. Well, she scrapbooks. She does scrapbook. Um, I, I don't, they never, they never really say that she's a stay-at-home mom. She just, like, we don't see her going to work or Yeah, anything. she's home with Jack all the time. I guess because she's taking care of him and yeah. she's, yeah. Yeah, so there it is. That's the connection. We're, are we, f- okay. Yep. See you in the. Back to this hilarious romp of a movie. Let's uh, let's talk about the cast a little bit and just get that out of the way because there's sure. some problems there. There's some problems? Yeah. Well, the first problem is Robin Williams plays a 10-year-old child. Well, okay. That has uh, yeah, some so sort he's... of quick aging disease that they mentioned he's... progeria, which is a real thing. The Wikipedia page oh, says did? it's based on... That he has Werner's syndrome, which is a type of progeria, but they never say that in the movie. And so I'm, there actually is a thing where you age too yeah, quickly. I know I'm there's... not a doctor, but I I feel confident saying it doesn't fucking work like this. No, no, in no. In this movie, no, it doesn't. It's a fictional. It's a fictional sort of whimsical movie. Yeah. Like Robin Williams ages at approximately four times the pace of everyone else. So he's actually born seven months early. The movie opens with them at like this costume party. Great costumes, by the way. It's Halloween. Mm -hmm. And she goes into labor, but she's only like two months along. And he's a fully formed baby and all that. Anyway, you were going to talk about the cast. Well, just to tie it back to The Wizard of Oz, she's dressed as the Wicked Witch (laughs) of the... What? East? she's not. The one with the ruby slippers and the striped... Diane Lane? Yeah. She's like in a witch's costume and she has striped shoes and ruby slippers. Huh, I forgot The that. one the house lands on. Yeah, I know. I just, I forgot her costume, I guess. I just remember there was like a martini, there was a pack of cigarettes, there were some other just good costumes. I was impressed. So the concept for this movie is an adult man playing a child. Right. So I get the casting of Robin Williams. Absolutely. And like, it'll be zany and goofy, lots of opportunities for a slapstick and him just being Robin Williams, right? Yeah. They chose not to do that, though. Well... They did a little bit, a I think touch here have, and there. I think that we're going to disagree about this movie a little bit. I'm getting that feeling. Seems like it. But go ahead and do your cast shit. Okay, so Robin Williams. Um, Diane Lane plays his mother. Hot. God, she's hot. Whew. I have a major uh, crush on Diane Lane. Yeah, I get that. She's very hot. Yeah. I don't like how her character is portrayed in this. It's not Diane Lane's fault. I don't yeah. like her character I mean, in this. she was fine. She's a concerned mother. That's what she is. And she plays with him, and she's a good mom. And we have oh. some other guy that plays his dad, who I didn't recognize. Never seen know. before Probably, or his since. His last name's Kerwin, I think. Brian Kerwin or something. Uh-huh. Um, we have a very young Jennifer Lopez. Yes. How old was she? Did I you don't look know, that up? But she. This was like. This was ninety six. Early film role for her. So she had just been a fly girl, like a few years before. Yeah. Right. And was she making music yet? Did she start acting before she started making music? Where she I don't know. That's music. a good question. I don't know if she had released any anyway. She's in her twenties, mid twenties, probably was, late twenties, maybe. She was like a dancer for lots of different, yeah, yeah, things and bands and. I was just thinking of In Living Color, before, yeah. specifically. Um, we have an even younger Journey Smollett. Yes, who was like what? So adorable. Well, eight. Yeah. Nine. Something ten. Like that. Something like that. Yeah, she was very cute. 
We have Bill Cosby, which... Yeah, Yeah, I let's do. just not talk about that anymore. Well, I'll have some things to say about it, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, Michael McKeon shows up yep, for a little in cameo. A real weird role. I Like, he just plays this sort of douchebag at a bar, yeah, with a toupee. With that, a toupee. Which is funny. Um, Fran Drescher yep. plays the mother of one of Jack's friends. But his best friend. And... Yeah, we'll talk mm-hmm, about that mm-hmm. as well. Um, well, I mean, yeah. And Don Novello, I want to bring up. Um, people know him more as Father Guido Sarducci. Mm, right, he's the bartender who then Saturday ends Night up Live. with Fran Drescher at the end. Yeah, he was also in Casper, which we talked about. Uh-huh. And where he basically plays Father Guido he Sarducci. absolutely plays him, yeah. Um, in this one, he's just a bartender. It's not even basically. That's the role he plays. Um, can I give a plot synopsis, or is that all the cast you want to talk about? Yeah, that's all the cast I want to talk about. Great. But I have some other like things I want to talk about about the reception of this film and stuff. Okay, go ahead. So it was nominated for Worst Picture Ooh, at really? the uh, Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Damn. But it lost to Striptease, wow. which also came out in 1996, the Jimmy Moore film. I didn't think it was all that bad. I mean, I don't know, man. I had a different exp- I mean, okay, uh, whatever. Keep going. It's just it's it didn't feel right to me. Like the tone felt off. All the no, emotional definitely. investment. Like it's not. You go into it thinking it's Robin Williams' wildest film role today. I, I thought it was going to be bad. I thought it was going to be bad, but a comedy bad. You know where they were just doing tons of shit like that was kind of funny because it's Robin Williams and he's always fun to watch. But like. It was just so different than what I expected that I had a different I had a different emotional response to it than I expected to. It's not a good movie, but I but it's Robin Williams. Yeah, so Robin Williams, you know, I love Robin Williams, but you know how sometimes you watch movies he's in or something? Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same as Jim Carrey, which I'm bringing up because we just God, watched no. a bunch of Jim Carrey stuff. But sometimes I have a similar feeling where it's like they just let him go off and that scene should have been cut down to like a minute instead of four minutes of him doing a weird voice and being goofy. Sometimes he goes a little far. Yeah. Um, this I feels mean, I can't like, think of any examples, but yeah, I'm sure you're right. This feels like they edited all that stuff out and it's worse for it. But I don't know if that's true. The The movie just feels like it's missing that element of him doing that. And they're, they tried to make it this like, heartwarming movie. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not... But it didn't feel earned to me. It all felt really weird. And I did... I read an article um, you mentioned. They have a really good quote in here. You mentioned that he has a disease where he ages four times faster than normal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This quote from a David Rollison article on a website called thespool.net. He said, regarding the aging four times faster, quote, which is ironic due to the one hour and 53 minute runtime passing at least four times slower than mm-hmm. the normal rate. Yeah. Ha ha. Um, Which I will say we watched this in, in two um, yeah, we had to break it sessions up. because I was, I mean, I was tired, but also I was pretty bored. Another fact that I thought helped explain some of it, um, some of the issues I had with the tone came from that article um, from the spool.net. It says that, Francis Ford Coppola decided to rehearse all the scenes with kids in them with a stand-in, a 10-year-old boy stand-in. Why? So they did, all the actors did rehearsals with a, an age-appropriate stand-in, and then at the last second when they shot, Robin Williams would step in. Why the fuck would they do that? That seems like exactly the opposite way to go about it so all the actors would so they're not responding respond to respond to a kid acting this way as a real kid and then have a grown man step in suddenly yeah seems like they should have done that the other way it seems so strange i mean i i kind of get the he wanted them to practice as if it's a 10 year old kid because you look at robin williams and it's hard to react to him that way it's but it, then what you not. get is them being like Oh, he's Robin Williams. What the fuck is happening? Why is he acting like that? That's not how a 10-year-old kid would act. Okay, see, now I have some disagreements with your whole take on Robin Williams in this role. I thought he was great at certain parts of it, but 
Just the way the script was written, that's not how a 10-year-old boy would okay, talk but this or react a, in that situation. This is a 10-year-old boy who has been isolated for his entire right. life. He has lived in a house with yeah, his two that's parents. that's the explanation. He has hardly interacted with other children at all, and he's been tutored and taught for his whole life by a fucking sex offender, Bill Cosby. So you know <laughs> this kid has some issues. Sorry, Aside from being a 40-year-old man Bill in Cosby a, ten, being a monster. Or in, a 10-year-old in a 40-year-old man's body. Um, I just think it was a weird choice to rehearse that way. And no, then, I think that's very strange. Yeah, it's very odd. So Francis Ford Coppola, um, this movie was not well-received. It got a lot of bad reviews. Shocker. It's, it's tomato meter or whatever is real bad. Um, critics said they didn't really understand it and it didn't understand what it was. Um Francis Ford Coppola was quoted in an interview many years later saying, Jack was a movie that everybody hated and I was constantly damned and ridiculed for. He said he finds it sweet and amusing. He don't he doesn't dislike it as much as everyone, but that's obvious because he directed it. Um, and he says, I know I should be ashamed of it, but I'm not. I don't know why everybody hated it so much. I think it was because of the type of movie it was. It was considered that I had made Apocalypse Now, and I'm like a Marty Scorsese type of director, and here I am making this dumb Disney film with Robin Williams. And I think that's part of the problem, is it's it feels weird for Francis Ford Coppola to be making this movie, and people had expectations of it. Probably, but I also think that it was it was billed as a hilarious comedy, and it's yeah, not. I, I mean, think the studio didn't really a, know what to do with it either. It's not a comedy, period. I mean, I don't, I don't. There's nothing funny about it. Right. It's a movie about a family and a kid that's aging and his friends and, and he's going to die. And who is inevitably going to die yeah. very young. And it's really, it's this dark, sad premise. And it tries at times to be heartwarming and tug at your heartstrings. And at other times it tries to be goofy. Yeah. There's the parts where he's like hanging out with his friends and then he's like farting in a jar and yeah. whatever. And they're like eating disgusting shit. And, and, and it, Which it's they just stole because... from Hook, right? That scene, like the no. hyper color food that they're like stuffing down their faces. No, but Hook, it wasn't gross. It was like good, delicious food. But there's the food fight scene and it's all like it's hyper colored. It's bright colors, yeah. Play-Doh, and that's what yeah. that stuff looked like to me when they dyed it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I was saying. But the point is, uh, there were some like silly parts, but even the silly parts are sad because you're like, oh, he's in a 40 year old man's body. Yeah, they're played for laughs, but they're also like him being made fun of at school. Or... Right, like he falls out of the desk or he gets stuck in the desk because he's too big for the desk. And he's and awkward he... and uncomfortable about it. And yeah. So, so they're kind of funny, but they're like heartbreaking. It's sad. And, it's sad. And the heartbreaking parts also don't feel earned to me because they didn't spend enough time talking about... We just jump from him being born and the parents getting this news... To him having to him a tutor, Bill Cosby, old. and then them deciding that he's going to go to school. So we don't see the family do anything. We don't learn anything about Jack until he's 40-year-old Robin Williams running to school with a backpack. So, yeah, I mean, that is true. We, It, it probably would have helped to see him along the way a little bit. Like if we saw him at age four and he was 16 in a 16-year-old's body, and then we saw him at age, you know seven and then 10 or whatever yeah. like that would have helped you're right and we get hints later they, there's a scene where jack is getting ready to go back to school and we hear a voiceover of his parents talking about how they wanted to have more kids but they didn't because they were afraid that they'd be like jack um we get hints at what it did to this family but even mm -hmm. that felt like they shoehorned it in so that they could show them with a baby later because it's a voiceover. So it was clear that right. they were like, oh, we need to paint this picture better. Well, and it was also right after he had a, like a heart attack. So they're like, oh, our kid's going to die. Yeah. Should we have another baby kind of thing? Um, which, I mean, I don't know. I, that makes sense, I guess. So we've basically given the plot, but the plot, we've left out a couple plot things that I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about, so I'm just going to give you a quick plot synopsis. Costume party, baby born at two months, full full term baby. Uh, jump to baby at age ten. He's Robin Williams. They're in the house. He has Bill Cosby teaching him. And they play they it decide... like 
with kids outside in the neighborhood talking about how there's this giant this in that freak house in or the this house. freak or yeah. something. He's a monster. Of course. And he's like, we don't see him yet. We see him like shadows and through a window kind of. And we see him like kind of like sticking out his tongue at the kids outside and, you know, being a kid. Uh, and then he goes to school. J-Lo's his teacher. Uh, the kids make fun of him at first, but he pretty quickly makes this close friend named Louie, who is friends with a bunch of other kids, so he becomes part of this group of friends. But that's a big, like, contentious issue for the family. Like, the mom doesn't want him to go to school. Bill Cosby wants him to go to school. They right. have a big... And that's what I'm... Diane Lane's character is this one-dimensional, like, overbearing mom trope, which I feel wasn't wasn't fair because everyone else in the movie is like, she, he has to go to school and she's the only one that's like, no, I have to protect him. We don't ever want anything like this to happen again. Two. So we're going to go back to the way things were before you started school. No. Hey, remember all the fun we had? No. 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 It wasn't fun. I didn't think I did not think she came across as overbearing. I thought she came across as a normal mom with a son who has this severe health issue um and yeah. and her just wanting to protect him and but And she also does a great job. You see them having a lot of fun and her playing with him and dressing up in costumes and stuff and there's all of that, but I just didn't like that she was the only one the whole time that they were like, no, you have to let him go to school. And she's yeah. like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Yeah, I just, I think it was pretty realistic. Um, so anyway, he goes to school. He makes friends. They have a treehouse. He breaks the treehouse. Well, he and Bill Cosby, because for some reason he invites Bill Cosby up to the treehouse to hang out with his friends when they make a bunch of gross stuff and fart in jars and shit. Which and then, I didn't mind as much because Bill Cosby was his only friend before that. He'd never been out of I the guess. house, really. Okay. I just thought it was really, I guess that's true. He's like the only person he. It was weird. And, that was, and, bad, and but... it's Bill Cosby. So he also has a youthful kind of presence, you yeah. know, and. Um, and he hangs out with Enjoys the kids. children. But they're in this shitty treehouse. That's that the not kids supposed built to be. A... That is like four Gross. stories high. Yeah. And um, they're all sitting there and it's creaking the whole time for this long scene. So, you mm. know, it's going to break at some point. And then what breaks it is a butterfly comes. And lands on the little windowsill. Mm, and the whole thing falls yeah. several stories down. But luckily it Everyone's just... Everyone's just fine. Tum they all tumble out. And you also notice, oh, that, that thing was made with a lot of cardboard. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then um, he has a heart attack. And then things get dire for a while. He's, she, his mom takes him out of school You don't again. want to talk about why he has a heart attack? I don't remember why. It wasn't really a heart attack. It was a major strain, they said. Oh, was it because he asked Je Jennifer Lopez yeah. to the dance? Okay, yeah. He asked his he, teacher to the he dance. He asked Jennifer Lopez to the dance because he says, and he's right, like, he can't ask any of the girls in his class to the dance because that would right. look really weird. And she's like, Jack, you are my student and I'm your teacher. And teachers and students don't go to dances together. Do you understand that? I mean, she's right, too. She's like, I can't. I'm your teacher and you're 10, even though you look like a dude that's Who's older. much older than me. Right. <laughs> it would actually still look creepy. Um, yeah. And so she kiss he, he kisses her. and then On the he, mouth? Yeah. He tries he, like, to kiss her. He, like, leans forward and kisses her really quick. And she's, and she's like, like no, 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 no. And then he runs out because he's so embarrassed and upset. And, and he has a heart attack. Has a heart attack and falls down the stairs. And then there, he's in the hospital and the doctor's like, his aging is in, is, like... You know, the pace is increasing. Uh, he's, is, this is really dire, etc. He stops going to school. He gets really depressed. The kids all come and try to get him to come outside and play. And then eventually they, you and know, Bill Cosby. he grows a sweet beard, actually. Yeah, Bill Cosby comes and, like, it convinces the mom that he should go back to school. So he goes back to school. Oh, but there's a scene in there we have to talk about. Okay, right. Before he goes back to school, he this is this was the part I really wanted to talk about, which is, he goes to a nightclub. Is that the scene you're talking no. about? What scene are you talking about? So the kids all come by. There's this montage of all the kids in the neighborhood, even the bullies. They come by and they ask, can Jack come out to play? Can Jack come out to play? And they're asking over and over and over all day. And Diane Lane keeps going to the door and saying <laughs> oh, he yeah. doesn't want to. And eventually she's like losing her mind because 
people are coming out and saying, can Jack come out to play? And yeah, like three times. And she like yeah. falls on the floor. But there's like a, a montage, like a time lapse or like fast motion montage of the whole neighborhood and tons of people coming by and bringing a trampoline and doing all this stuff to try to get Jack to come out. And she lays down on the floor and she's like, <laughs> like she can't handle like it she's anymore. she's so exhausted. She's trying to get some fucking scrapbooking it's done. really weird. And the whole neighborhood won't leave her alone. Okay, but that happens, I'm pretty sure that happens after the nightclub scene. The nightclub scene happens before that. Because no. that's the nightclub scene. He gets super depressed after the nightclub scene. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter really. But he goes to a nightclub and... Um, he goes to a bar that Fran Drescher gave him... Um, a card for. for matches for right because um, she, she writes like, her number okay so because his friend louis his best friend had him pose as the principal to tell his mom fran drescher that louis is doing great and he's a great kid and a great yeah. student and all that and she hits on him because she's fran drescher and that's her things you know she's a big slut and hits on all the dudes here she is you gotta do it here louis i can't be a principal i can't do it so yeah he goes to this nightclub and he sees michael mckeon there and he's a total douche and then she comes in and uh he's been drinking alcohol because they bought him a shot he spits it all over the bartender because he's never had alcohol and then he starts then he starts drinking it and he's like kind of drunk he's like kind of staggering around and then she comes in and they dance and he grabs her up grabs her ass he's and then, watching other dudes that are dancing yeah. doing really weird dances yeah no one dances like that and then and he, he tries to do the same stuff and then she kisses him and yeah, tries and to give him a little out. tongue and he freaks out he's like uh no and then um he backs into this table breaks everything starts a brawl gets punched in the face she drives him home no uh, no what he gets arrested and booked and that's put right in jail. she Breaks and him out of jail. As he's, <laughs> she doesn't break him out of jail. Well, I mean, she, she bails him out. That's what I mean. That's, that's significantly what I mean. different. Okay, same okay. thing. She gets him out of jail. So in jail, he, when he gets out, when he gets bailed out, the cop's like, you're out, coming out here, here are your things. And he has a paper bag and he dumps stuff on the table and it's like a Pez dispenser and some keys, I think, and something else. Get your stuff here, you can go. You've got a library card, a pocket knife, Spider-Man watch, piss dispenser. Where's my pog? It's a slammer. I still don't know what pogs are. It was are. a slammer. I still don't get what they are. We we on last year's Snips uh showcase, we gave some away and they're like little round things, but I don't know what you use them for. They're or little what they cardboard are. things that they're just came collectors. In milk cartons and they had like characters on them and stuff. And a slammer was a bigger, heavier one that was made of like metal or plastic or heavier stuff. So they're just for collecting. And you would throw no, it was like a game. You like put oh. them down and then you threw the slammer and any that it flipped over you got to keep or something like that. Oh. So I just wanted to make a little joke about how when you're in the slammer, don't let the cop steal your slammer. That's a good one. Because the cop is like, he's like, where's my slammer? And the cop reaches in his pocket and looks all guilty and gives it back to him. Yeah. Which was supposed to be funny. I guess. My joke was funnier. Then, okay, then he finally goes back to school. And then suddenly we skip seven years. So you think he's maybe going to die soon because he has like oxygen and he had the heart attack and he's like not doing well. But then you skip ahead seven years, which was very convenient because then they can avoid explaining things like having to tell Fran Drescher that he's not the principal and that she made out with a 10 year old. They never address that. They avoid. But she's sitting right behind his family. Right, who have a baby now. Well, not a baby. She's like three. And Jennifer Lopez has a baby and a partner now. And anyway, they're at the high school gra- graduation. He's the valedictorian. For he, some reason, Bill Cosby, his childhood tutor, introduces him and sits on the stage as at if the high he school works graduation. At the school, which maybe he does now. 
Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, it's it's a mystery. I think it was just an opportunity to have Bill Cosby sit behind Robin Williams for a scene. <laughs> I guess. And then uh, he drives off with his friends in a convertible, and that's the end. He does not die. Now, I thought for sure we were going to have to see him die. Um, but they wanted to keep it a little lighter. You know, he just... It's almost worse, actually. He drives off, and you just know he's going to die soon, because he's like... 70-something looking uh, at the high school graduation. Um, so anyway, that's the plot. Now... For some reason, also, his little sister is, like, falling asleep during the graduation scene. Oh, yeah. So, like, yeah. does she this have narcolepsy? Yeah, this poor family. They just can't have a, a normal kid. Um, yeah, she's got narcolepsy, apparently. Sad. It is. It, that was really weird. I couldn't figure out if that was supposed to be, if they told her, look like you're falling asleep because you're, like, little and you, you know... You're tired, or if we were just supposed to be looking at Diane Lane and dude, the yeah. dude, the dad. Um, so I want to say a few more things about the credits, and then we can go into your problems with the movie. I wasn't going to talk about problems. Okay, we'll talk about your whatever you want to talk about. But at the end, they show um, each character in like a scene from the movie, and they put the actor's name and their character name, which was weird. It was a weird way to do the credits. Um, it was really long, <laughs> oh, and yeah. and we hear a Brian Adams song play about a uh-huh. shooting star. Um, because there's yeah, a because Bill Cosby. Oh God, can we talk about that scene? Bill Cosby says, "Have you ever seen a shooting star?" To him, he's trying to explain to Jack that he was a shooting star. He's in saying, a, yeah. in a sky of normal stars, he's, he's a shooting saying he's star. extraordinary. He's his most extraordinary student. Yeah, they burn bright and they don't last as long. Exactly, just and like Jack. He says, he asks him, have you ever seen a shooting star? And then he says, they shoot across the sky and light up the whole sky. And my question was, has Bill Cosby ever seen a shooting no. star? Because well, they don't do that. He says he's seen one. And I was one. like, this dude is 50 something. He's seen one shooting star in his whole life. Yeah. He doesn't have fucking time to watch also, a whole meteor shower. He's got to teach kids. Jack has never seen one. I mean, even for a 10 year old, it's kind of weird. I mean, unless I guess if you live in the city and you never go out and look at the stars, it's possible. But can I just say again that shooting stars do not light up the whole sky? Yeah, they don't. That's like a comet or something. But or also... like a fucking space junk flying at you about to kill you or uh-huh, something uh-huh yeah and they're not as rare as bill Co- i mean they are rare but they're not that rare that you would have seen one in your lifetime as a you know i, I get the point he was trying to make because they spend several minutes on it and he repeats it in several different ways it's to very Jack. sweet okay see this it's is very heavy-handed it's heavy-handed scientifically but it's inaccurate it's sweet i thought it was a sweet metaphor that jack is like a shooting star and that he like brightens the lives of the people around him and he doesn't last as long and that, you know. And you just did that four times things, faster than they did in the movie. Things can be beautiful that are short lived and and brighten up the, the, you know, world around them. I'm serious. I thought it was a nice little metaphor. See, I I feel I think a little bit like Francis Ford Coppola does about this movie. And the sole reason I feel that way is because of Robin Williams. What? That things need to be overexplained and pounded into our heads because uh, we're 10 year olds uh, and we won't get it? No. No, that it's a sweet little movie. And I, again, let me say for the record, I don't think it's a good movie. I think what I think is that, and this might be, I, I was trying to, you know, question myself about. Whether this is because Robin Williams has died and, you know, how we tend to be about people who have passed on, we are less critical of those people. And I love Robin Williams. He has hundreds of other performances that are better than this one. Uh, But even with all of that and the weird sort of cheesy premise and the fact that it's billed as a comedy and it's not a comedy and the pacing is weird, he is to me he is a convincing 10 year old boy in the body in his body i thought that he did an actually kind of incredible job at playing a 10 year old like i i really thought it was good and yes some of it some of it he acts younger than a 10 year old would in some scenes um particularly the scene at the nightclub it's whatever but also like there's a scene with Fran Drescher in the car where she's she looks at him and she's like, it's the oddest, it's the strangest thing. You know, your eyes, you just look, 
you look so young. You have those you have young eyes like Louie, like her son. And I I actually agreed with her about that, that he um however he did it, his facial expression, his eyes, he looks incredibly vulnerable throughout the film. He tugs on his clothes in a certain way. He um He's shy in the way a 10-year-old might be, but then he's not shy in exactly the way a 10-year-old boy might be. I don't know. I I, I just thought I was surprised that I was kind of moved by his performance because I think without him that this would have been absurd and ridiculous. It is absurd and ridiculous, but he can make – I think Robin Williams can make anything moving. Yeah, I agree with all of that that you just said. I think his performance was really, really good. The issues I had with – it were the script and the way the things he yeah. had to say at times that were just stupid and didn't make sense and wouldn't happen in a normal situation. His like mannerisms and his face and all of that stuff was incredible. And I can't yeah, imagine totally. another actor pulling that no, off in I the can't same either. way. And that's, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you know, he's, he's adorable and lovable. And also he can, he's funny a little bit. He's not as funny as he should have been in this, but yeah. he, but he's moving. His performance is moving. And that's why it stood out to me so much. The things that didn't work and didn't mm-hmm. fit because his performance was so good. He was so in that, like it was understated, which is weird yeah. for Robin Williams, but right. it was like, I'm becoming a 10 year old child. Yeah. And he pulled it off. Yeah. Cause like the bar scene where he's sitting there talking to Michael McKeon and they look like they're like the same age. Michael McKeon's going off about like cheating on his wife and all this shit. And like, I'm what I was thinking during that scene is like, he plays this role so well. Robin Williams plays this role so well that it feels to me like everyone should figure it out, even though yeah. it's like fucking ludicrous and you would never look at a, 40 year old man and be like are you a 10 year old trapped in the body of it but like his his mannerisms are so good that and you... his naivete he like pulls yes. that off so well you but f- yeah it, it also that scene is perfect for what made me feel weird about some parts of this movie um it's the same with big when you realize that in big tom hanks as a child had sex with this uh-huh. grown woman yeah like michael mckeon's talking about these things and they're playing it for laughs because he's like, I'm standing there in my birthday suit. And he's like, Robin Williams says, oh, is your birthday? Which and is he's stupid. talking about how he's with a woman and he's naked yeah. and can't get it up. Oh, wow. <laughs> what did you do? Well, you know, this led to that. And I, I, I ended up going limp. You hurt your leg. Yeah. Right. And he's like, I went limp. as a, He's like, you hurt your leg? Yeah. That's funny. So they, they play that for laughs. But he's talking about things that you wouldn't talk to a 10-year-old about, and it's uncomfortable and awkward. And I get that that's what they were going for, but it also, yeah. that tonally, it's just weird. No, it is. And I, I would say the same thing about Big. That's something that always bothered me about Big was that in that one, he's supposed to be 14. But he acts like a 10-year-old in a lot of that movie. To me, I don't know. I mean, maybe some 14-year-olds are really that like sheltered and like babyish, but like he was still so excited to play with toys and... um. I don't know 14-year-olds that are quite like he was in that movie. Like, I think he was more like a 10, maybe 12-year-old, you know. Um, So I think they tend to do that with this kind of thing. Like, they because they want it to be obvious that that this adult is a child, they exaggerate the child... The childishness yeah. of it, right? And when, I think when they a also, child actually, children don't actually act like that. Yeah. Children are much more mature than. <laughs> than I think we a think. lot of directors and like Hollywood sometimes they don't really know what age kids are and how they're supposed to act yeah. or what they're even supposed to look like, right? Um, which you know that carries through all the way to like high school teen shows where there are thirty-five-year-olds playing teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have little kids, like. There's this Czech director, Jerzy Menzel, who worked with children. And I remember, like, he said several times, like, children are the best actors because they're not acting. Mm -hmm. And if you get a child actor who's trained as an actor, sometimes they suck and it's not realistic and it doesn't work. But if you get a kid and just tell them, pretend, just pretend you're in this situation, it's beautiful and it's amazing. And these kids, there were times in this. Where the kids were great and there were other times where it felt like they rehearsed it 20 times with a 10-year-old in the scene 
And then Robin Williams stepped in and they had to read these stupid fucking lines that 10-year-olds would never say to each other. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Not all of it. Some of it was great. And the dialogue was, you know, they're talking about farts and they're doing Yeah. I just, I also think that, that in the same way that kids have that ability, I think some adults are able to hang on to it. And Robin Williams and I hate to say Bill Cosby are people who were able to hang on to that, like, what's the word like uh childlike wonder and innocence yeah childlike wonder is a good way to put it like i think robin williams that's what always makes him moving is that he has that part of him uh and well and his friend louis encapsulates this really well at the end of the film they uh jennifer lopez gives the kids a semester long assignment about what I um, want to be when yeah. I grow up. And they write like three like sentences. It's yeah. really stupid, but okay. Um, but Louis is great. And Louis, Louis talks about how he doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up, but he knows he wants to be like Jack. And mm-hmm. he wants to have that wonder. And Well, exactly. Which is kind of like, this is a cool thing. And I don't know how much they did this intentionally or whatever. We don't really know. We know that Louis's dad left him and his mom. And but Louis has a much more mature kind of um, presence yeah. uh, than Robin Williams does as Jack. And that actually makes sense because Louis has been through Louis kind of world weary already at age 10 because of like the shit that he and his mom have been through. And Jack's been protected. And, and Jack has yeah. been, you know, and so I thought I, I don't know. I don't know. They don't like lean very heavily on that. Um but, no, but it it's, is a, it's it is like a small little thing that I noticed that they they have Jack go out and buy them penthouses right because oh he God. can. Yeah. But Jack is also kind of like a father figure to Louis and his best friend because he's like this older. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. don't they don't lean into that a lot. But Louis's realization at the end of the film, oh, yeah, kind of talks about that. Yeah. I just also a couple things that I thought <laughs> just notes I took uh, one about the scene where all the kids come and try to get him to come outside. I wrote it's so sweet that all the kids in the neighborhood are at his house and then he's going to die, which is like how the whole thing feels constantly. Um, then there was a scene where at the breakfast table, this is the day he decides he goes back to school uh, scene at the breakfast table where the parents are both reading like the financial section of the newspaper. Yeah, they're just over reading their the Wall coffee Street and Journal. eggs and shit. And I'm just like, why was that do? such a stereotype of adults in the 90s and 80s? Like that all adults and maybe most adults did that. My parents certainly were not reading lists of stocks. Well, it's uh, probably at the table. you know it's kind of pre-internet being huge, and it was the only place you could get your photography and stocks and scrapbooking information was the wall street journal yeah she was probably looking for a scrapbooking job you know in the wall street journal classifieds yeah anyway so okay so i want to just quickly this isn't this isn't specifically a montana thing but it is uh you know a mental illness thing which is all tied together with montana and how i ended up there and you know what i deal with now ever since and um I want to go back to the stupid schmaltzy metaphor about the shooting star and because something that Jack says really stuck with me, which was he was like, I just want to be a normal star, which I think is something that kids can really relate to. And especially around this age and a little older, like when you're in middle school, like you just really want to like blend in. But I was thinking about it in terms of like mental illness and having struggles that other people don't have which is you know he which is what this metaphor is this is a kid who has these big struggles that make him different than other kids and he just wants to be able to fit in and he can't because that's not who he is and it makes him really unique and special and also it fucking sucks you know so I don't know I that was a thing that I thought about during that scene and probably why I liked that metaphor because because I was like I totally understand that feeling and also recognize like for me personally you know I deal with ADHD and depression and anxiety and stuff but also I'm like really highly sensitive and I hate it a lot of the time because it makes life really fucking painful but at the same time it's like a superpower you know so I just I just understand that sort of like double edged sword, I think, of 
wishing that I could be like other people and wishing that my brain worked like, quote unquote, normal people, um, neurotypical people, I guess is what I mean by that. Um, do you think that before you, maybe this isn't where you were going with that, but do you think that not consciously, but when you were a teen, yeah, before you went to Montana, that's what you were trying to fix or search for or find? Yeah, I think I've been doing that for my whole life, trying to, trying to, yeah, I mean, I always had ADHD, and, and I think that was the underlying cause of depression, which I've struggled with forever. And I was, you know, yeah, I was looking to substances and all kinds of other stuff to feel differently than I felt. I still do that. I mean, that's still what I do every day, is try to find ways to not feel the way that I'm feeling. Uh I mean, not always, you know, sometimes I'm more wise and able to just feel my feelings and get through that. And other times I just want to escape it. And that's when I really wish like, oh, God, I just wish I was neurotypical. I wish I could just be like a happy, like satisfied person. Like I'm never satisfied. I'm never I'm never enough for me. I'm never you know, whatever I do is always wrong in my own mind. and so. Um, just like having to constantly battle that is really exhausting and it makes existence really fucking exhausting. So I don't know, maybe it's a stretch, but that is what I, that is genuinely what I thought of when he said, I just want to be a normal star. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a stretch at all. And I think that's what this movie kind of is about. I mean, it's, it's about the family and stuff, but it's about kids that are different or kids with disabilities right. and it's why... trying to fit in and try and being allowed to go to school and make friends and have right. a normal life. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to look at, like, if you really want to extend the metaphor to me and Montana, like, I was removed from, <laughs> I was completely removed from normal life to try to fix me, right? Which is kind of what they did with him in a way. Like, after he has his heart attack, they take him out of school and try to, try to keep him sheltered and protected and safe right but it's such a misguided yeah way it's of like going it's about not that. a real life exactly so it might be alive longer but so yeah that's why this stupid little movie which is not good um i i i didn't hate it i didn't hate it like you know uh, like most people did. And, yeah, I, though, and it's I, not, though I do see why it's considered very bad. Let's be clear. It's not on the level of other movies we've hated during this podcast. It's not No, no. The it's Mask. not The it's Mask not Batman or Ace Forever. Ventura or any Jim Carrey movie yeah. we've watched. <laughs> I see They're all the Jim Carrey movies are the worst ones. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, I just, yeah, there were great performances in it. It's it just didn't quite pull off some of the things it was trying to do, I felt no, like. No, no, it didn't. And and it's all, uh, in the end, the only parts, the only parts that made it watchable were, to me, were Robin Williams. And I do hate to say, Bill Cosby. Like, I fucking, fucking Bill Cosby. I, fuck that guy. I mean. He did but have man, such he a connection was so to kids. Funny. And he, he was, was so able funny. to. And he did have a connection with kids. Yeah. And not in a gross way, although he did, you know, drug and seduce younger women like as far as i know he wasn't doing that with children but um yeah man it's just such a it's just it's just like the perfect example of one of those people that you think you know you know that you just don't know because he's a great actor and comedian right. and that doesn't make him a great person and i think in the case of robin williams it did make him a great person as far as Anything I've ever heard about him, you know. Um, but yeah, like we don't know these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. That's the danger of like putting anyone on a pedestal. You don't know them. And I mean, I think it's good that we've had to learn that lesson. It seems like in the last couple of years, people have been acknowledging that more. Right. Where in the past, there would be a big scandal and people would be like, oh, well, I can separate the art from the artist and still love that. And now people are coming to the realization that like... Okay, but Can we need to talk about why yeah. you're able to do that and why you're compartmentalizing these things because you idolize these people and thought well, you knew them and thought you understood what they were all about. Yeah. Like, and I don't I don't always think that compartmentalizing those things is a bad thing. I think I think in some cases you can still appreciate the art or the whatever. Like for me, I I 
and for everyone in our generation. Like the Cosby show was ruined forever. And it was a huge part of my life. Like I watched the Cosby show so many times over and over. And still, if I could, I would watch it now. It it would be comforting. And I'm not, please don't misunderstand me saying like, oh, what a hardship for me uh, versus, you know, obviously the hardship is the women that he fucking abused. Right. Um, and my point is just that I don't know. I, I, I think. <sighs> I think that compartmentalization that I was talking about, though, is more of a it's justifying. Oh, yeah. Still enjoying that stuff. And that in itself perpetuates. Well, that allows them to keep doing it. Right. And right. it allows us to not have this reckoning moment with like Michael Jackson oh, or Bill Cosby. Michael or, Jackson like, is the example of this for me on a personal level. I remember because people have been talking about Michael Jackson for decades that he might have been a child abuser or whatever. And I, for a long time, without knowing shit, I was one of those people that was like, fuck that. Right. Michael people Jackson couldn't see it. is Michael Jackson. I couldn't he's imagine the king it. of pop. Yeah. I fucking love Michael Jackson. He's a huge part of my life. No, he's not a child molester. What? That like, song's so fucking I... good. I'm not going to let go of that. Yeah, what? Yeah. Well, Bill Cosby is the same thing. I, I think know. People knew and people talked about it. Maybe not in our circles, but people in Hollywood knew. And oh, yeah. Until but Hannibal Burris to. got up on stage and said, like, y'all know this. Yeah. You all know this. We all know. And we've decided, no, he's a national treasure. Yep. We love him. Louis C.K. was a similar kind of thing for a long time. I mean, he wasn't as, he didn't have as much of a history, you know. I mean, Bill Cosby had been around a lot longer, but yeah, exactly. But he was, you know, beloved. And yeah, and we all do had it. a really hard time. I did this, not that it's the same thing at all, but I did the same thing with like Lance Armstrong. I justified oh, yeah. it forever and I had I arguments with people like, no, he had cancer and he, he would never he do would that. He would never do that. It doesn't make sense. Like I totally fell into the storyline for lots of like personal reasons too. Right. But you don't fucking know. Right. We don't. You don't know you these don't people. Know. And it's weird to get that wrapped up in a personality that you don't know. I mean, God, but it's, yeah, but it's just part of, I think, I, I actually think for me, part of like what I was talking about before, like my extreme sensitivity and stuff actually draws me to that even more, like to be attached to characters and celebrities as I interpret them and their emotions and my emotions like I'm very um susceptible to that uh so I have to be I and I'm a lot more careful now than I used to be because of you know right because some of these people that are so talented and gifted at portraying these feelings yeah that right. you're feeling exactly yeah can also be very tortured uh-huh and terrible people sure and it's hard for us to separate those things. Not Paul Rudd, though. And so let's end on that. Paul Rudd and Ken Marino. Uh, two two men, two white men that, uh, you know, will never do wrong. And so uh, that's the lesson I've learned. Uh, Jen? Yeah. I, I don't know if you've learned the lesson that we were talking about. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone. We appreciate you and love you so much. And... Uh, um, Thank you to our patrons. Yeah, I was going to say something about our patrons. Uh, if you decide to become a patron at the $5 or more level per month, um, you get to pick a, an episode topic. And if you do that, we will do it right away. So, um, yeah, become a patron at $5 or more and we will do your episode topic in the next couple weeks. And it really helps us out. Um, we're a small independent podcast, um, which I'll speak more Very. about in a second. Um, but it's helped us get new equipment and new microphones and, um, it's helped us pay the bills sometimes too, yeah. because we, <laughs> Seriously. like, it's hard, it's hard out there right now for a lot of people. Um, so we really appreciate it. And, um, I just wanted to mention again that last month, um, all of our Patreon funds, mm-hmm. Are um, we're donating them to Trans Lifeline? Yes, um, which you can look up and find out more about. But we're doing it because we fucked up and watched Ace Ventura, and it's uh-huh. super transphobic and bad. Yeah. So we decided, let's do something good with our Patreon funds. So <laughs> yeah. every once in a while, we might do that. Um, 
sometimes it helps us pay the bills and sometimes we will take your money and give it to a charity of our choice. <laughs> well, not often, <laughs> let me say. No. Uh, we, yeah. But it, I just wanted to say thank you to our patrons um, yeah. for that as well because those are important issues to us. And there's a lot of shit going on right now with uh, trans people being attacked and their very personhood yep. being outlawed and assaulted physically and metaphorically so yeah and look when it comes to patreon and becoming patrons of our show we understand that no one's asking us to do this okay like we get it but if you literally no one but (laughs) but if you you know if we're a form of entertainment for you consider chipping in a few bucks that's all i'm saying uh like you do for other forms of entertainment or and tell that, a friend about our podcast or tell a friend or write a review or just interact with us and you know we love we love our listeners very much and especially the ones who let us know that they're listening so um yeah we just appreciate anybody listening it so, really helps out independent podcasts to do any of that stuff and speaking again of independent podcasts remember next snips, saturday the showcased. scavengers network independent podcast showcase is coming up yeah um and it's going to be a lot of fun and there are going to be a lot of funny and hilarious yes. and silly and moving really podcasts. creative yep. yeah yeah really good stuff doing video stuff live on twitch so watch that it'll be a lot of fun yes i plan to watch all day if possible so, yep, yeah, that's about it. And um, thank you, everyone, again. And thanks to Grandma Cray for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. See, see you in the, the 90s. 90s.